Did Hugh Hefner, who died this past week, think he was a good man? Did Hugh Hefner think he was a good man? I was speculating about this on a hike with my dog, Sebastian, and what made me think about this was a comment uh, by the diocesan liturgists a number of years ago who say priests who do what others consider unintelligent things at Mass, says, he says this about them, nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks, how can I destroy the Roman rite? So these silly priests, they don't wake up and think, I'm going to do something bad at Mass today. They think that they're going to do something good. And that struck me as true. No matter how uninformed or ridiculous a stunt someone might pull, they usually think that they are doing something good. Bishop Perez, who was here last week, was telling us the story in the rectory about a priest in his last diocese that used to put a speaker in front of the tabernacle. And as he was preaching, he would play music and he brought him into his office and he said, Father, do you really think that was a good idea? He goes, no, but. He did it because, did he do it because he thought he was doing something bad? No. So what about the infamous Hugh Hefner? Thanks to the wonder of the internet, I didn't have to wonder. I could just go and find an interview where he was talking about himself. And as the direction this homily is going might lead you to believe, he thought he was doing a great service. In his own words, he said, I was always a dreamer, and I worked to make that dream come true. I felt that the magazine remained relevant for many decades because it is real. I put women in the context of a positive attitude on male-female relationships. So it seems as though he thought he was a good man, doing the good. He didn't wake up in the morning thinking, how can I objectify women and addict men to porn? Like the priest doing something others might deem harmful in some way, his worldview led him to believe that what he was doing was beneficial in some way. Now the good, the good from a Christian perspective is not a personal thing, it's not subjective, and it isn't even mysterious. It's universal and largely clearly defined, clearly defined by Christ. That is why when we talk about somebody following their conscience, we don't mean following how they feel or what they think is fair or what makes sense to them. If that were true, Hugh Hefner would be a saint, and he's not a saint. What is meant by somebody following their conscience is somebody following their informed and formed conscience, that a person has been immersed in scripture and history and great learning and prayer and liturgy and great literature, great minds exposed to holy souls and all that is beautiful and is touched and in touch with humanity and part of a good community and then acting in accord with all of that. 
Christ did not suffer and die so that we could feel good about ourselves, that we, but that we might become fully awake to all that is good and all that is beautiful and all that is beneficial. So that's the first step. We got to, we've got to know what the good is. And then we need to enact it, which is not always easy. I think of today's gospel. There are two boys who are told by their father to go out in the vineyard and work. And one said, yes, and then didn't go. And the other one that said, no, and then did. The first guy makes me think of someone discovering or rediscovering the faith and is all excited. I'm going to be good and I'm going to do whatever God asks me to. And perhaps a bit naively they think this. So whatever is asked of them, they readily promise. I will never sin again. I will be your witness to the world. I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. I will be your godparent. I will be your sponsor. But then over time, when the difficulty of the work is revealed and consolations are fewer and perhaps cooperation amongst others is less, this person can be like the first, God, first guy in the gospel today who says, sure, God, whatever you want, I'm your guy. And then it kind of peters out. I'm reading a book right now. I'm not going to tell you the title because I haven't finished it yet, and I have learned my lesson to finish a book before you share the title with anyone. Whew. But in it, there's a young man and a young woman who have a child and they're, uh, as the child is getting ready to be born, they're saying, we are going to be the best parents on the face of the earth. There's never going to be good as, good, as good of parents as we are going to be, which is really easy to promise at that moment. But what happens when children enter the rebellious age at 2 and 12 and 16 and 18? Now the second guy, the one who said, no, thank you very much, I do not want to go out there and work, ends up doing all the work. Maybe initial, initially he said no because he knew the workload and how difficult it would be and doubted he could or wanted to do it. But then after experiencing other ways of living, that they are also difficult in the long run, they don't feel that longing we have inside to be good and to find joy and to find meaning. And by and large, they don't have that beautiful promise at the end. So then finally, he picks up his tools, he goes out into the vineyard and gets to work. I think of my dad, who only when everything else failed him in the world, and as he was getting older, his body failed him, his mind began to fail him, and it wasn't until then that he said, okay, God, I'll get to work. I think of the person coming out of an addiction or, and finding life is actually easier with God. Or like the prostitutes and the tax collectors in today's gospel who initially invest their lives in a different way of living and then came to see that God's hope and promise could be wonderful and infinitely better and so they left their former way of life behind and followed him. I did much the same thing. 
I, since I was a little kid, I felt that God was calling me to the priesthood. And I always kind of kept it on the back burner. Okay, God, I, I hear you, but not right now. I said, well, I want to go to college first, God. And so not right now. And then after I got out of college, well, not right now, God. And finally, I, I gave him an agreement. I said, these are the five things that I want to accomplish in life before I go into the seminary. And after I do that, you've got me. So these were lifelong goals. These were supposed to take years and years and years to accomplish. And within four years, I had a, uh, within one year, I have accomplished four of the five. The only one that I hadn't accomplished was paying off my student loans. So I, so I said, okay, God, you win. And I became a priest and very happy ever since then. And then in my first assignment, my pastor paid off my student loans. So there you go. Father Anthony, if you're listening over in the rectory, that's not happening here. <laughs> so I initially said no. Then I went out into the field. So I ask you, is God calling you to something? Is that little nagging voice in the back of your mind or in your heart maybe calling you to deeper prayer? Maybe a ministry, maybe some act of charity or love or forgiveness, or to start something or read something great or dive into contemplation or a cause or a movement or just something beautiful. That nagging in the back of your head about which you said, not now, God, or why on earth did you choose me? Choose someone else, choose someone more worthy, or I'm too busy. Maybe when I get out of school, maybe when the kids are grown up, maybe when I'm retired, maybe when I'm in a nursing home. God, it just sounds difficult or embarrassing or it mean giving up something else that I really like or it just sounds like too much effort or you know what, I'm just gonna say no. Now, today is the time to be the second person in the gospel story, the one that initially said no, but then went out in the field and did his father's will.